Providence, Rhode Island. This is your station, your music, the world famous. WXIN. Providence, Rhode Island, USA. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the same experience with your hosting on the show. Talk about the latest and greatest happening in the world of sports right here on 90.7 WXIN. We got a lot to talk about today. We got really breaking news on Rob Gronkowski. Got to talk about the Marcus Peters trade that went down this past week. And then really, I want to do a full-on preview of the NFL offseason, which is going to be starting right before my next episode, which will be in two weeks, by the way. We'll be taking next week off, but we'll get more into the details of that later on. But anyway, though, if you want to chime in and talk about any of these topics or anything else you want to hear me talk about, you want to talk about to me, you want to tell me, don't be afraid to call in at 401-456-9946 or at 401-456-8787 or hop on Facebook, go to the official Stadium Experience Facebook page and watch the Mike Kane Memorial live stream of the program, which goes up every week on Facebook. Drop me a comment, say something you want to hear. Tell me I'm an idiot. I don't care. I like to hear from you, the people. Talk to me about Brady not eating strawberries, anything you want to hear. But with all that out of the way, you're listening to the Stadium Experience with your host, Jake Helmsley, on 90.7 WXIN. And we're going to start the show. So, the big news, really, of the last hour, really, breaking in the last hour, coming from, coming out from Ian Rappaport, is that, and this tweet coming from Ian Rappaport, and I'll read you the exact tweet. At 3.13 p.m. today, so I get to talk about brand new news before anybody else. So look at me here in the middle of a Wednesday. And from Rappaport, the expectation is that hashtag Patriots tight end Rob Gronkowski will return for 2018 after pondering his future. I'm told he may never make a grand announcement, but the belief is entertainment opportunities, parentheses, acting, no comma, WWE, and parentheses, will wait. So, Gronk is not going anywhere. Rob Gronkowski will be staying with Patriots and he'll be with them next year, which just before we dive into things, we can all rest a little easier. We can all calm down now because I was getting a little worried for a little while. I was I was concerned. I was ready to come in here. I had planned I was going to come in here. I was just going to take up a majority of the show. And I was going to talk about just, I mean, that A, that I'm, I was worried about it. B, what the fact that we were getting to this point, does that, did that, or does that say anything about what's, does that say anything about what's going on with Belichick? With, you know, the more and more we see about how some about how players are a little dissatisfied with the way the Patriots have been running. And I still want to raise those questions. And I still want to talk about those things. I still think it's an interesting. I think it's kind of an important discussion for us as a fan base to have. And the conversation is not going to end with Belichick sucks and Belichick is an idiot and he needs to leave. But, you know, it does open the door for a little bit of legit criticism, I think. As much as you can criticize the best coach of all time. Like, I want, you know, we'll put that out there that, you know, as usual, anything I say about Belichick, anything I say about Brady comes with the preface of this is still the best coach, best QB of all time. 
until I say so, and then maybe if they do something awful, 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 maybe we can talk about that, but that that point will never come. I don't feel like that point will ever come, but no, nevertheless, I want to talk about how the fact that Gronk was considering and might be retiring, how that reflected on the state of the organization, which obviously isn't as bad, seeing as how you know, if you're just if you're just tuning in and miss the first three minutes of the show, he's not retiring. So, once again, like in the end, all was equal. But I still think it says something that he got this far, and I want to go over those things. So, The fact that Gronk was considering retirement after this season, which, even though the Patriots made it to the Super Bowl, lost in the Super Bowl, but still made it to the Super Bowl, were more successful than 30 other teams in the league. After a season where there was a lot of noise, where a lot of where we were hearing a lot of things from reports from, you know, specifically Seth Wickersham from these other groups that are the type of things we're not used to hearing about the Patriots from this organization, you know, things about power struggles going on between Brady and Belichick, power struggles between Brady Guerrero v. Belichick, you know, stuff going on with Kraft, issues behind the scenes, players, you know, maybe openly rebelling a little bit, then... Obviously, what happens in the Super Bowl when Butler did not play. You know, the culmination of that being the Super Bowl where Butler did not play and that obviously played a role. And then you had after the Super Bowl players like Hightower... Uh, no, like Brandon Browner posting stuff about how dumb that was, and then all these fools going out like Hightower and Brady and then liking it and all that. Like, once again, the beef with Guerrero. Like, the point is, like, if you follow this team and you've played a close enough... Hi, Logan. You've played a close enough amount of attention and you have for a few years then, yeah, there was, this year was different than really any of the other years it felt like. And, you know, people will come out and say, oh, well, that's just noise. You're just building it up. Like, in the end, they'll win the Super Bowl and it'll all be fine. And I thought, and honestly, like, in the end, I thought the same thing. And they didn't win the Super Bowl. They made it, but they lost. But now, you know, then you have... Gronk talking about wanting to retire. You have seemingly a lot of players not voicing outright and total commitment to wanting to re-sign with New England. You know, to wanting to be in New England where they supposedly should feel like they can win championships. You have Dion Lewis, who when he's talking, he sounds like he's much more interested in going out and getting money, which more power to him, by the way. Not trying to discredit Dion Lewis, but... You know, you don't 
it doesn't feel like the players coming out of this year have the same kind of enthusiasm to stay in New England and be Patriots as maybe they have in years past. And, you know, some people will be quick to say, like, oh, these players don't want to be here. Screw them. They don't care about the Patriot way. It's just these new youngins and these Utes and these Gen Zers who aren't, who are all about themselves and the brand and aren't about being Patriots, but I think that's ridiculous. I mean, I think I think that's ridiculous. This this straw man that I'm constructing for myself is ridiculous. So stellar arguing tactics by me, but this it just feels like there's less enthusiasm around players wanting to stay with the Patriots. And I don't know, me just getting that as kind of an outside feeling, then seeing Gronk really mull over retirement, Gronk, one of the, you know, the key players for this team, obviously, to see that and then see that retiring and just, once again, just get this feeling that players... Maybe I'm not saying players don't want to be here, but they're certainly not don't feel like they're as eager to be or stay here as they have been. So see that and then hear Gronk wanting to retire. That opens the door to now say, okay, what's changed? Obviously, something had to have changed. The quality of play on the field hasn't really changed. The ability of Belichick and whoever was there to get you where you want to be. Now, once again, they lost in the Super Bowl this year, but still they got you to that point. That hasn't changed. So what organizationally, what about the message? What about the way players are receiving this message? What's changed? And I think that's where the discussion opens up. 10 minutes into the show. 10 minutes into the show. Now we'll get into the meat, the meat and potatoes of things, but Yeah, coming out of a year where things didn't feel right and things felt different the whole year, felt like there was a lot more tension in the building, felt like coaches were trying to get out, felt like players weren't enjoying things as much, and then, yeah, then to see Gronk, one of the staples of the team, really mulling over retirement. And by the way, it could just be, and it probably is just that Gronk's sick of being hurt and isn't having fun being hurt anymore. And wants to go do something else where he doesn't get hurt and might not die at 40, which he's, he's still probably going to still probably going to die at 50, but he can try. So that could easily be it. But I think when you put all these things together, it's at least worth talking about because whether or not I'm right about the specific things, like honestly, whether or not I'm like, maybe Deion Lewis just wants money. that has nothing to do with him not wanting to be here. Maybe Gronk really was just injured. Maybe the Seth Wickersham story meant nothing. You know, obviously all these things apart, you could explain away, but it's just when they all come together, I think the culminative message that they send overall is worth talking about. So, 
is something changing about the message that the Patriots are sending? Is something changing about the way that players are looking at Belichick? Because understandably, once again, players, fans, me, 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 were mad after the Super Bowl. I still hold out with a lot of the planet that the Malcolm Butler benching was kind of a petty move, was oddly vindictive from Belichick. And once again, even if I'm saying that that was a bad move, like Belichick has made countless good moves that it all balances out and he's still by and far in the black. By and far profiting in terms of smart football decision making which once again preface before I start ripping into him a little bit and me who has made zero bad football decisions when managing a professional team so there you go so you know there you go there's my qualification I have made Never have made a bad trade as an NFL GM. Never a single one. So. But still, we're coming off where it seems like the enthusiasm from the players. Isn't high. I can imagine that I can easily believe that there are players. Devin McCourty. Tom Brady. And others. Nate Solder. Can believe. That they feel like Bill's decision making. To bench Malcolm Butler. For what seemingly was not football reasons. Or even if it started as football reasons. It eventually devolved into. I just don't want to play this guy. Because screw him. Can feel like that cost them a Super Bowl. Can feel like that cost them a Super Bowl. Can feel like that cost them the chance to, you know, be the second Bill Belichick-led team once again to win three or four. Which, once again, you know, that's the standard I'm coming from here. Why I'm mad that I didn't win three out of four Super Bowls for the second time in a row. Like, I'm talking about it like it's a failure that they didn't do this thing that has never been done by anybody. So... It's all relative, really, from me being, from us being this spoiled brat fan base over here in New England. I can whine and complain that Super the, the eighth Super Bowl didn't go our way. That's why, why is he so, ah, you know, it's, it's easy to lose sight of things, but Gosh darn it, I'm going to lose sight of things. I'm going to live in the moment. I have, to, I, have to, I have to evaluate these things play by play, play by play, like as they come as well, though. So, nevertheless, I feel like I'm rambling, or maybe I'm not. I can believe that there's less enthusiasm around the team. I can believe that individual players aren't as satisfied as they've been in years past. 
And that that could lead a guy like Gronk to being like, okay, like I don't necessarily. And by the way, less enthusiastic when, you know, when they're coming from a team from an organization that, you know, has patented the art of crushing the souls of, of star eyed young players, taking them and molding them into mindless androids that don't answer media questions and don't have personalities and don't do a lot of commercials. Like I can, you know, I can believe that. Yeah. Like the players aren't in love with the way with, I guess, living under the Bill Belichick regime. I can believe that. Yes. Like as much as we all kind of lambasted, was it Jason Peters or Lane, Lane Johnson? I want to talk correctly. Or was it was it Lane Johnson? Either way, when the Patri when the Eagles players are coming out and saying like, "Yeah, the Patriots, they don't have fun there," which is true. I mean, they don't. They probably don't have a lot of fun. But you accept all that, or you assume that the players accept all that. Hey, excuse me, my aux cord is stuck. I'll fix that later. But you assume and probably rightfully assume that the players accept all that because in the end they figure you know in the end they win and in the end you know the patriot way of becoming a mindless robot you know, works out for them and they get their rings and yada 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 but a when you have guys who already have their rings, like Gronk, like Hightower even, or you straight just don't win like this year. Yeah, like it's it's believable that guys can turn on that pretty fast. That guy, if it's not working out for them, guys can get. I can imagine that if they're not winning their rings now, I can imagine that guys can get pretty sick of being under the Bill Belichick regime re really quick. And, yeah, I mean, that's that's the balance you have to draw when you decide to run your team like Belichick. And you are a disciplinarian. And, well, not quite a disciplinarian, but definitely not a player's coach, whatever whatever that means. But you're, because there are you know, only two types of coaches. But, yeah, when you decide to run your team like that, and you don't have, and you, you know, you don't, you're not about fun. You're about these guys being, you know, coming to work, doing everything perfectly right always that threat to lose your spot like all that and all the stuff that on balance works once again i'm not coming at the patriot way i'm not saying it's wrong it's i'd be ridiculous to say anything but that it's worked wondrously but yeah when you don't win like in the short term i can see how guys can pretty quickly go oh screw this i, I don't want to do this this isn't like on balance this isn't fun what's fun is when you win like in the end like that's the fun of it but everything before that not very fun. So when it's not working in the short term, yeah. I can see why a guy like Gronk might be like, ah, you know, I don't really want to get up and do this next year. I don't really want to go and have to be perfect, be on time for everything, or get in a ton of trouble. Like, I don't, I you know, I kind of don't want to do that another year. And I don't think that makes him a loser. 
I don't think that makes him this or that or not a good patriot. I just think that that's human. Can imagine that anybody when they're in a profession where maybe don't want to go be somewhere where they held to the highest possible standard all the time. And once again, maybe call me a loser. Maybe that's just a loser mentality. And but yeah, I mean, I can understand how when you don't win immediately and you don't have that kind of that afterglow of the Super Bowl, you can go, Ugh, maybe this isn't like maybe I don't want to do this again. Maybe I want to go somewhere where it's a little looser. I can still get my money, but maybe I can kind of relax a little bit. Which, once again, you know, spoiled brats, every single one of us, but that's the price you pay. Once again, when you run your team like Belichick, but you don't win, you pretty quickly open the door to players being like, oh, screw this. And that's why, you know, when you have a guy like Patricia who's going to the Lions, people are like, oh, maybe he'll just act like Belichick. No. Matt Patricia can't act like Bill Belichick. Very few people can act like Bill Belichick. Really, only Bill Belichick can act like Bill Belichick and treat people like Bill Belichick treats people and treat players and treat veterans and treat, you know, all-time franchise players the way that Bill Belichick treats those groups of people I just listed. Only he can do that because, once again, like, you know, you can kiss the rings, like... Whatever he does on balance works. Matt Patricia can't go and talk to the media the way Bill Belichick talks to the media, which is disrespectful. <laughs> which, if any other coach or any other player acted like that, he'd be up in flame. He'd be inflamed. People would go at him so much, like they did with Cam Newton when he didn't when he walked out of his press conference, or. Cam Newton when he did this other stuff or other people who I can't remember but Cam Newton's a big one but point is like you can't act like that when you're not Bill Belichick because in the end like even if the ownership gets mad or the media group and they come at Belichick like ah you gotta treat us better and he says no you're not gonna fire Bill Belichick for those reasons because in the end like you know having him works he kind of has a license to do whatever he wants to treat people how he wants because of the winning because he's irreplaceable because he is honestly irreplaceable. And that's what gives him kind of the... So Matt Patricia, who's never been a head coach, can't go and be Bill Belichick. He has to go kind of kiss people's asses. He has to go... act like a normal human being. He has to act like he cares about other people a little bit. He has to show a, a bit of empathy. Because once again, he's not Bill Belichick. So... But, you know, as it's, as he can do that when he wins, when he loses, the floodgates are open a little more. You can... The door opens a little bit more for fans, players, all people go like, hey... What are you doing? Especially when you lose when, because of what a lot of people think was coaching decisions. When people don't think that the coaching was up to snuff. When people think that the, that they didn't make the right personnel decisions. That really opens the door to then go what are we doing, Bill? You know, you demand perfection from us constantly and then you F up. 
that hurts you in the eyes of your players. And not to say that he's lost the locker room or anything, because Bill Belichick hasn't, but yeah, like it loosens your hold a little bit. It, and that's when you can wind up with guys like Rob Gronkowski going, maybe I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to at least take my time making a decision on this. And you have guys like, and you don't have a lot of guys. You no, know, you don't have Nate Solder even, who we haven't heard from, but you don't have Nate Solder springing up like, I am definitely, I want to be here. I want to be a Patriot for the rest of my career. They've treated me great. You don't get that. And, you know, all that culminates in kind of, I think, the position we're in now, which just feels like there's a little bit less enthusiasm around this franchise and around the idea of being a Patriot. And with all that, all that, we could take a quick break here. You were listening to the Stadium Experience with your host, Jake Elmsley, on 90.7 WXIN. If you want to weigh in on anything I've been talking about or anything I'm going to talk about, don't or anything you just want me to talk about, don't be afraid to call in at 401-456-9946 or at 401-456-8787 or jump on Facebook and go to the official Mike Kane Memorial live stream on the official Stadium Experience Facebook page. Drop me a comment. Tell me things you want to hear me talk about. But... Other than that, we'll be back. I'll be talking about Marcus Peters. Be going into a dive-in of the entire NFL offseason. All my exciting little cute things I want to talk about. And we'll be right back. It's not the size that matters. It's the pleasure it provides. WXIN-FM. WXIN Stadium Experience. Jake Elmsley broadcasting live across Providence, Rhode Island, and nationwide, worldwide even, anywhere we got internet, on, except for China, on the Mike Kane Memorial live stream, on the official Stadium Experience Facebook live stream. I've been talking about a lot of Patriots, talking about Gronk. I've talked some more Patriots here, actually. We were just talking a lot about Gronk, about the perceived lack of enthusiasm around the organization so if you want to call and talk about that talk about anything to do with the nfl offseason i'm about to get into that nonsense right now don't be afraid to call in at 401-456-8787 or at 401-456-9946 or leave me a comment on the live stream let me know anything tell me i'm an idiot i don't care i like i like the fan interaction i like, I like the back and forth with all you, all you fellas out there, poor ladies, who knows? But anyway, though, once again, you're listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley on 90.7 WXIN. And with all that out of the way, we're gonna we're gonna quiet down Steve Windwood here and get right on into things. I I, I put this topic off a little bit because before the show, in my in my pre-show, pre-show, uh pre-show preparation period that I have now and I love because of my new schedule much to the cringe syringe syringe of really everybody here at the station everybody trying to you know do actual work right now everybody including including my good friend Hugh Sack, but everybody trying to work everybody trying to have normal 
you know, fun conversations. Me and me and Mr. Josh Percy were really we're really having it out, having having ourselves a row about this next topic here. And so I was considering opening with it, and I'm like, no, no, I, I I'm hot. I'm hot about this right now. I'm not gonna be partial, impartial. I'm gonna be partial. I need to calm down and talk about something else, and then maybe lead into it when I feel like I'm an adult again, and I can have. You know, a normal, a normal big boy conversation. And you know what? I think I'm there. I think I'm there. Everybody's out of the building too, so you know, if I if I get hot again, nobody will know. No, they're not listening to the show. So I feel like I can talk about it now, and that is. The fact that the Patriots were seemingly not in on what was the, dare we say, blockbuster trade that went down Monday where the Kansas City Chiefs, for what we have eventually learned is a Fourth and a 2019 second rounder have sent Marcus Peters, cornerback Marcus Peters, if you don't know. But if you don't know, this whole segment, if you don't know who Marcus Peters is, this whole segment really isn't going to mean too much for you. So maybe this is where you take a bath and break. But Marcus Peters traded to the Rams for really what for a 25-year-old cornerback, two-time Pro Bowler, third-year player, Top, really, in my opinion, top five cornerback in the NFL. A player who I love, which, you know, some people have tried to say that means I'm biased, which, yes, I'm biased towards players I like. So, you know, bite me. A player who I love, Marcus Peters, was traded to the Rams. And, you know, my first reaction to this when I heard that Marcus Peters, 25-year-old Stud cornerback, still on a rookie deal, still has two years left on his rookie deal if you count the fifth-year option, which <laughs> I I don't know why you wouldn't exercise the fifth-year option. So two years at what's nothing for top-flight cornerback money. Once again, dare I say top-five cornerback money. One of my favorite players in the NFL. Has been so since he got drafted, since I had a romantic experience revolving around Marcus Peters, which... I won't get into the details of on this program since we are since we are guided by FCC regulation. But when I saw that Marcus Peters was on the trade block, that the Chiefs were interested in trading him after you know being a dick this year, he was he was a dick. I mean, it was a game against the Jets where he got up, he threw a flag into the stands. I thought he got ejected. Turned out he just he just left of his own volition. Yada, 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 like stormed off the field, was a big child, was suspended the next game, did not have his best year as a pro. Like, I get it. So it's it's almost understandable why they'd want to trade him. I still say in the end, you try to make it work with players in the prime of their career at premium positions, especially if you feel like you're going to get pennies on the dollar, which 
is what they got. Pennies on the dollar. But nevertheless, I thought, okay, yes, I see the concerns here. I see them. They're apparent. But in the end, talent outweighs all. Really, like we can sit here and talk, oh, well, he's a dick. He's this. He's that. It'll be a, be a locker room headache. But in the end, talent really does weigh out all. Especially the level of talent that Marcus Peters has. Because if you're going to tell me that, no, no, it doesn't matter. He's not good enough to be worth the headaches. Then, you know, really to you, no player is worth the headaches. Which, that, that's a way to look at it. I'm not going to discredit that for you going, no, I just don't want any players who I think are going to be bad for the locker room or have issues off the field. I just don't want anybody who's like that. Which, if that is your stance, and it's just a broad stance, fine. I, I can respect that. But if you are of the belief, like most people, that sometimes you got to make sacrifices in terms of character to bring in guys who are great players, then yet, like Marcus Peters is as good as it gets. Really, in terms of talent, age, affordability, like he is as good as it gets. So, at least if you ask me, maybe you don't think so, but to me, 25 years old, premium position, top five player, position in need for you, by the way making absolutely no money for the next two years. Rookie contract. Sorry, like, yeah, that's that's a guy I can get behind. You know, that that's my line. That's where I go, okay, yeah, th this, this is worth the headache. If I'm just doing my equation for what's worth a headache. So, yeah, when I saw Marcus Peters was out there, I went, oh, my God, sweet Jesus. Yes, please go get him. Please, 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 please at least try. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. Get him, please. Yes. Yes. I love that man with a passion. Yes. And I was sad when they didn't get him. Especially with, you know, looking at the cornerback market where there are guys, because the Patriots obviously need a corner opposite Malcolm, opposite Stefan Gilmore, since, you know, I don't know if I made it clear in the last segment, but, you know, Mal Malcolm Butler's gone. And looking at it, you know, there aren't any guys who jump out to me. You have EJ Gaines, Fremaine Johnson, Kyle Fuller. In the draft, I mean, you have guys who I like, but, you know, None of these guys even remotely jump out to me the way that Marcus Peters does. So, yeah, we're going to fulfill that second cornerback spot that tanked them in the Super Bowl. Yeah, Marcus Peters is as good as it's going to get. You can get him, get Stefan Gilmore on the field together. Like, that's now you're talking. So... When he got traded to the Rams, I was upset. I was sad. I mean, I was sad. I wasn't upset. I was like, oh, darn. Wish the Patriots could have got him, but oh well. But at first, the terms of the contract, terms of contract, terms of the trade weren't out yet. And by the way, I mean, the trade hasn't actually gone through yet, by the way. I mean, none of these trades, and the Alex Smith trade either, like these things can't really go through until 
the start of the league year in two weeks on March 14th at 4 p.m. So obviously, you know, these, these things can't officially go through. Until then, but nevertheless... I thought, okay, well, maybe, may, may, maybe they traded too much. Like, there's a line with Marcus Peters. I don't want them to sell the farm for Marcus Peters, but I want them to at least be involved in the discussion. I would go nut, and then it, then it came out what they traded for him. And at first, when the trade went out, this is what I specifically what I text, you know, my little group chat with Josh Percy, Dave Cusack, Drew Spaziano, Comrade North. I text them like, all right, guys, time for me to start the process of telling myself, oh, the Chiefs just didn't want to trade him in the conference. That's what it is. The Patriots didn't have a chance. Time to start the healing process. And I'll just start telling myself that. And hopefully it'll turn out to be true. Or at least I won't find out anything to the contrary. So I can continue to at least pretend that that's the truth. And at least be okay that one of my favorite players in the NFL didn't go to the Patriots when he was out there for trade. And then in the last day or so, it's come out now that that wasn't the case. That wasn't the case. And that actually the Chiefs were trying to get rid of this guy like uh uh, it's something that people want to get rid of. Like, they want to get rid of him like, like, uh, like your in-laws at Thanksgiving. Feels like a down-to-earth blue-collar saying. And they want to get rid of him like your in-laws at Thanksgiving. But, because now it comes out, and this is coming specifically from Peter King for Sports Illustrated. His article, the title, so we give you credit. For the Chiefs, Marcus Peters wasn't worth the trouble, and only three teams had any interest. This came out yesterday. Once again, Peter King at Sports Illustrated. And it comes out, and he says, and he probably got it. The article comes down to, I'm told that the Chiefs called all 31 other teams in the league this month on Peters, looking for a trade partner. And 28 teams said they were not interested or did not make an offer of any value. For a player who, with the playing history of Peters, at a vital and hard-to-fill position, that's amazing. One team made an offer of a mid-round pick. Laughable for a player of Peters' age and stature. My guess is that it was Cleveland or Indianapolis. Two were in it until the end. The Rams and, not the Patriots, the 49ers. And the Rams' offer of a second and fourth round pick was better than San Francisco's. And 
to read that and effectively because I'll I'll believe I'll believe Peter King that it was either Cleveland or Indy because I don't know th- those make the most sense. Oh, I mean those do make sense. I mean Chris Ballard was the GM was it worked with the Chiefs when they drafted him. John Dorsey, another Chiefs guy, drafted Peters. I'm sure he has some. Some some reason to say that these type you know the Peter Kings the Schefters the Rapports they, they don't say things unless they have su- some reason some rhyme or reason to believe what they're saying or right so I'll believe that and for the. Chiefs to once again, I mean, Chiefs, the Patriots, to find out that the Patriots didn't make an offer or at least, you know, a, a real, a real d- decent offer, which once again, wouldn't be a lot, seeing as how what he got for is really irritating to read. And... Like I said, people will come at me and say, oh, well, they just don't want a guy who's a locker room headache. And by people, I mean Josh Percy after we were having it out earlier. What was... Oh, well, they don't want the locker room headache. They don't, you know, he was a bad noodle. And to that I say, that's not the Patriot way, which... And then, 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 not true. The Patriots have been willing to take guys who have had, who have been problems because of their talent. Randy Moss, last year in Oakland, didn't give a crap at all. He didn't, he didn't care. He was dogging it. He looked done. Patriots, not afraid to take a flyer on him. Ocho Cinco, documented history of mischief. Also one of my favorite players of all time, by the way, but still Ocho Cinco. And... That didn't work out, but it didn't work out, but still they were willing to take the chance on him because of the talent, even though, you know, all the issues that you've heard about who he is as a player and all that. And then honestly, I just thought of this now, like I didn't even bring this up earlier. Brandon Cooks going up, talking about closed mouths, not getting fed. Guess what? The talent was enough there that the Patriots we're willing to take a chance on him and trade a first-round pick. And we can argue about whether or not that deal paid off. I'm a little soft on the people, but I'm not here to talk about Brandon Cooks. But Brandon Cooks, for sure, was not a, or still is not, has never been a top-five player at his position. But there, the talent won over the issues. And yes, Brandon, I mean, Marcus, what Marcus Peters did last year is worse than Brandon Cook saying closed mouths don't get fed. But, you know, I think the difference in talent makes up for the difference in, in bad boy behavior. So I think it balances out. And, yeah, once again, maybe they looked at Peters and just thought this exact situation, we're not into it. But don't tell me that they don't take guys like that. Don't tell me that they're not... that they're above taking guys who have been problems. Don't tell me that they've been, that they have never done that. Hello, Josh. Don't tell me that the Patriots have been above that stuff in the past. Because you can't. I mean, 
they have brought in players when there's been off-field issues, on-field behavioral issues, if the talent has outweighed those issues. So, no, that's not it. There's something else there. And it's frustrating to see that they didn't even make an offer. Because, once again, I mean, Peters slides in and fits one of their biggest issues this offseason, which happens to be one of the hardest positions in the NFL to fill. I don't want to say in sports, but one of the hardest positions in the NFL to fill. And to me, to hear that they didn't even put an offer, to me, being the big fan of Marcus Peters that I've been, is this, this is a similar feeling to what I had after the John Carlos Stanton trade. And I mean that, and some people might sound ridiculous, because some people just aren't as high in Marcus Peters. But yeah, when I found out that the Red Sox didn't even make, or at least according to John Carlos Stanton's agent, to whom to this day I can't think of why he would make this up. And I'm still waiting for somebody to give me a good reason. When you found out that the Red Sox did not make an offer, made me very upset to hear that this guy out there who was literally the best player on the planet to fill their biggest issue. They didn't even get involved in that conversation and then see him go on pennies, see him go for pennies on the dollar. I mean, I guess at least he didn't go to one of the Patriots' biggest rivals. I guess it makes feeling a little bit better, but still, it was a similar feeling. Me and Josh Percy, we were having it out, and he said, oh, this is just like when you were mad about John Carlos Stanton. I'm like, yeah, damn right. This is just like when I was mad about John Carlos Stanton because it's the same thing happening again. So, to go back to kind of the first segment, not really the first segment, but to kind of go back to talk about Bill Belichick, you know, is something about the organizational philosophy changing a little bit? Are they a little less, is, and by they I mean Belichick, is he a little bit less willing after the years had where it seemed like there's been a little bit of trouble in the locker room He's had a little bit of trouble maintaining his, you know, his iron grip on the team. Not a ton of trouble, but it's been obviously things haven't been sailing as smoothly. Is he less willing to bring in guys who he thinks might create problems or guys who might question his authority? Not necessarily for the good of the team, but just for the good of him maintaining his, you know, once again, his iron grip, his control in the locker room is controlling the team and yeah is Belichick is he maybe less willing to bring in a guy like Marcus Peters who he might than he might have been two three last year even I think I just think that's a question to consider like I don't have a ton of evidence to that I just think it's a point to consider so you know, like I said, if you want to give me your take on that, tell me how you view that. Don't be afraid to call in 401-456-9946, 401-456-8787, or drop me a comment on the official Mike Kane Memorial live stream on the Stadium Experience Facebook page, and just, you know, let me know. How do you look at that? Do you agree with me? And we'll talk to that, and we can talk about this a little more after the break if any of you want to call in, because we are actually it's getting close to the top of the 5 o'clock hour. It's 450 five right now we'll get to take a quick break we'll be back before the top of the five o'clock hour i want to not after this I've, i'm done with patriot stuff for a little bit i want to dive into the full slate of nfl offseason 
things, issues. I want to talk about the QBs, the other stuff, ma mainly the QBs. And, you know, like I said, we took a break pretty, pretty reasonable time ago, but I promise I'll try to take you through to the top of the 6 o'clock hour after this break. And you are listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley on 90.7 WXIN, and we will be right back. You will never find more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is 90.7 WXIN. I'm alright. Nobody but about me. Why you got to give me a fight? Can't you just let it be? 90.7 WXIN Stadium Experience. Jake Elms are here. We've been talking a lot of Patriots stuff, and I want to stick with the NFL because, well, this is my favorite time of the year in the NFL, the offseason, with the draft coming and all that. So, because I'm a loser, but I want to stick on it. I want to talk about the offseason here. If you want to call and talk about any of these things, you know the number, 401-456-8787, 401-456-9946, or drop me a comment on the official Mike Game Memorial live stream, but anywho. The next, I suppose, order of business here is the the offseason. This is my last chance to talk about the offseason before the new league year opens this these coming weeks. Because the show, we're not going to be having a show next week, by the way. I said I'd talk about that. And they, next week... Me and the, the gang, the normal crew, are going to be in New York for the College Media Association Awards, CMAs. We'll be there. I'll try to learn a thing or two at some conference or something, and we're going to have a fun time. So me, me, me and all your favorite stadium experience co-hosts are going to be there. So, you know, come, come pop through if you're in New York. We'll be in Brooklyn. I think. I don't know where we're going to be. I didn't book the hotel, but <laughs> anyways, point is the show will not be airing next week. But the week after that, as it as I happen to get lucky and have happened last year, the start of my show falls exactly when the new NFL year opens. So March 14th on Wednesday, I will be here giving you real-time updates the entire day. I'll be sitting here just refreshing Schefter's Twitter Refreshing Rappaport's Twitter now to be giving you live updates, live reactions, so. I'm very excited to be doing that. That will be, I, that'll be a blast. I'm really, I didn't realize that my show fell that way until the, uh, the other day, so I'm very excited to be able to give, like, up-to-the-minute updates. So, you know. Pants are getting a little tight over that. So, this is my last chance to wildly speculate before... We get into the off season. I'm excited. I'm really excited about it. So I suppose that like league wide, the biggest thing on the table for the NFL. Really, really what's What's always the biggest question league-wide for the NFL in the offseason is quarterbacks. But this year, it's different. This year, you have so many. This year really does feel like the year, the biggest year in recent memory for there being 
a lot of options at quarterback. I mean, the draft, obviously, you have a lot of guys. Sam Darnold, yuck. Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson. Then, and free agency, you have what really feels like the most legit, really the first legit free agent group. Not even talking about Kirk Cousins, what feels like the most legit free agent group for quarterbacks in a while. I mean, obviously, first off, you have Kirk Cousins. Obviously, the big, really the biggest free agent since, and everybody's been saying this, but he is. I mean, he's the biggest free agent since Peyton Manning. He's the first, you know, real legit, maybe franchise quarterback. I'm not saying he is Peyton Manning because he's not, but still, Kirk Cousins is a legit, legit Pro Bowl caliber quarterback. I mean, he's a BB plus quarterback. Because once again, not Peyton Manning, not Tom Brady, not Aaron Rodgers, but he's a solid tier two, tier three QB, which, you know, a lot of teams would kill for. And a lot of teams, he's a guy who having him can take you to the next level, can take you to the next stratosphere as a potential playoff team. And yeah, I mean, that will be the, and then after him though, you still have Drew Brees, who, I mean, I think, I mean, who will probably resign, who's going to resign with the Saints, but still, he hasn't yet, so he's still there. I mean, it's still fun to talk about. Case Keenum out there. Teddy Bridgewater out there. A.J. McCarron even was able to come free. A guy who I've been a big fan of, a guy I think could be a starter, a guy who could be a consolation prize for one of these teams that's going after Cousins or Keenum. Sam Bradford is still out there. He could be an upgrade over for some teams. I mean, I, I, I think he's cooked. I think he's done. But somebody else might not think that. So oh, even Josh McCown had a good year. I mean, Mike Mike Glennon got really. I mean, Mike Glennon sucks. But still, like I don't I don't need the triple. You know, Mike Glennon isn't the big prize this year. This time you actually have a guy who made a Pro Bowl. You have you know a Super Bowl winner in Drew Brees. It doesn't count. But you, see, you have a guy in Case Keenum who brought us in the playoffs. Teddy Bridgewater, a guy who looked like he was going to be a franchise quarterback after two years and got tragically hurt. But if he's healthy, he could be an option for a team. And then you, AJ McCarron. I mean. You have legit guys. You have legit prospects. You have guys who have actually done something. And that's just so fun. Not even counting what is a pretty deep class in the first round at QB. How about free agents? And this is so fun. Because teams have options. At QB, which usually is a position where guys are throwing $18 million at Mike Glennon. In the offseason. I mean, free agent is still Ka Kaepernick's still a free agent too. I'll I'll take I'll take a moment to to note that Kaepernick is still a, still a free agent. So that's also there, but and I I don't I don't feel like we're gonna see Kirk Cousins. By the way. Depending on how things go with the combine, which is going on right now, which I haven't paid a lick of attention to. So I'm not even going to pretend that, you know, I have any hot combine takes right now, but I could see the Kirk Cousins situation. I could see the Kirk Cousins situation kind of blowing over a few days into the offseason. I don't, I don't feel like he'll sign immediately. 
And I also think that Kirk Cousins inversely will be the first quarterback to stop, besides maybe Drew Brees, but assuming it's But, you know, talking about kind of this QB mosaic, I think Kirk Cousins will be the first, first stitching. And then after Kirk Cousins drops, that's when we're going to suddenly see the Case Keenums, the Teddy Bridgewaters, and the A.J. McCarrens go. Like that, I think it'll just be like, they'll all be signed up almost immediately within a few days of each other because, you know, I would imagine for all the teams that really need a QB, Kirk Cousins is their option. The Broncos, Cardinals, Browns, Jets, Vikings. I would imagine he's their, he's their option A. So, and then just, you know, whoever their second guy is, they'll go up to him. Then their third, they'll go down their priorities list pretty quickly, but I think then we'll see what happens. So, you know, what does that mean for the rest of the guys? Like, I'm not going to give you exact teams for these people because I think that's kind of asinine. But, I mean, there's some interesting things. I mean, you see the Jets are trying to offer – there are reports that the Jets might try to offer Kirk Cousins a contract that has 60 million cap hit in the first year, which obviously a lot of people are laughing at, which I think is smart. That's the thing I want to talk about because the Jets have so much cap space. So the idea that maybe the Jets will maybe do some unique bookkeeping where they give him a historic amount of money early in the deal. Sorry, he can have a more when they have more when they have a hundred plus cap space, more cap space than they will ever know what to do with. Give him that mon monstrous cap it the first year that way in the later years and, and you still have cap space to go after a lot of legit players but do that and then you have and then you know later on when your cap space is starting to thin out a little more just due to you know hopefully well not hopefully for us but I hope you're Patriots fans, but you know, hopefully for the Jets, you know, then you have more cap space because you're not because your cap it was also. I think that's interesting to read. You have the Browns who don't have anything, but the Broncos could return the relevance. Honestly, the Vikings, who are a game away from the Super Bowl, could bring in a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback. You know, not a guy who can win the team the Super Bowl all, all, all on his own. That that's not Kirk Cousins, but he's a definite plus at that position and not to say the case Keenum wasn't but he'd be better than Keenum he'd be an upgrade there so maybe that would give them something to do or there are a lot of landing spots and then after he signs I think will be even more interesting we'll be seeing how things fall I think like the probably the most interesting guy in this I mean case Keenum do the Giants bring him in do people what do people think of him do people think he was just a flash in the pan do Teams actually believe that Case Keenum is a legit starter. I don't know. I don't think he is. But what do we see these teams do? Or another one who I'm very interested in, a player who I like, who I liked a lot when he was playing, was Teddy Bridgewater. If the Vikings go after Cousins and get him, where does he go? Does he stay with the Vikings? Does he... I envision we had a conversation about this. I think I think what I mean, if I had to speculate, I would say that Bridgewater probably signs a short term deal like Bridgewater probably signs a one, two year deal with somebody. And it's probably a team that's already intending to also draft a quarterback who want to insulate themselves. But also, you know, it's a position where you need to take as many chances as you can. See if you can get your guy, you know, where they take two. Maybe they decide they want to double down, take that two shot, you know, 
Kind of do what the Bears did with Mike Glennon and Mitch Trubisky, but, you know, actually bringing a guy who's a far more proven, far, well, at least when he was healthy. It's all assuming the medicals check out, but was a far better, more promising player than Mike Glennon and Teddy Bridgewater. But still, a team like the Cardinals, you know, they don't know if they, they don't know if they'll be able to trade up and get the quarterback that they want. Bring in Bridgewater. You know you have a guy who can develop. You know you have a guy who has promise. And then you can still draft a Lamar Jackson, a Josh Allen, develop them side by side. But, you know, you're not locked into that guy. You have this other young QB. And then Bridgewater can rebuild his value. Then, you know, you figure it out from there. Bridgewater plays, he's good. Boom. Bridgewater plays, he sucks. Well, guess what? You have this guy you drafted. Like, I, if I had to say, I guess that would be the case with Bridgewater. I think it would be the same case with AJ McCarron. Still a young guy. A team like I would, if I had to spitball, I'd the Browns. Specifically, who wanted him. The Browns can give him a contract, bring him in, also draft a guy, and then, you know, they have two options. They have multiple options there. Like, teams can, some of these guys are legit guys who teams can use to give themselves kind of a backup or at least a second plan at the QB position. So they're not just solely relying on Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen or Baker Mayfield coming in and immediately solving all their problems. So maybe they can actually, you know, sit this guy and have him develop. But instead of, you know, option, you know, the guy they sit in behind being some crusty old longtime generic quarterback man backup that. Drew just walked in. Drew, come on my show. Instead of that. Instead of that guy being generic quarterback, man, that guy is an actual young Previously promising prospective quarterback. You know, somebody that you're not, you're not wasting reps to give. So that could be. What goes down to that position. And then I I don't don't know. Sam Bradford goes to the the Dolphins or something. I don't know. I don't care about Sam Bradford. But. Yeah, I mean. Like it usually is, but especially right now, especially this year, the quarterback position will be super, super interesting. And then you have the running back position where I wrote out this fun little chart the other day when I was bored and hadn't slept in two days and just wanted something to ease my mind. I wrote a little fun little Google Doc of all players available in the draft and at different positions and... Holy moly, when I was doing this, there are a lot of running backs in the draft, in free agency, I mean, for, I mean, first, this is like the last couple of years, really. This is a deep class at running back. I mean, you got you know, Saquon Barkley, obviously, and you have Darius Geis. Sonny Michael, who I love. Nick Chubb, Ronald Jones, Free- Royce Freeman, Rashad Penny, Carrion Johnson. I have free agency. My God, there's a lot of dudes. Like a lot, a lot, more a lot of names, but some, I mean, you have Le'Veon Bell, obviously, Carlos Hyde, Deion Lewis, J- Jarek McKenna. Didn't really put this in a good order. But Blount, Frank Gore, Isaiah Crowell. You know, you have some more young guys. Jeremy Hill, Alfred Morris, Rex Burkhead. I mean, Doug, Doug Martin is out there. If you think you can revitalize that. Chris Ivory, even. You know, Jam- Jamal Charles is, is out there. Still bopping around. 
still wanting to play. I mean, I mean, Jamal Charles had a decent year. Jamal Charles. I would think he averaged 4.8, 4.9 yards per carry. Like, obviously, I don't think he's the Jamal Charles of, of, of days of old. But he certainly was a plus for the Broncos, I'd say. So him, Jonathan Stewart got released today. So, you like old men at running back? I mean... That's a thing. That's a, th I mean, Jonathan Stewart exists. Matt Forte retired today, by the way. A fun fact. Fun little, if you haven't, if you haven't heard that news, Matt Forte's out of the game. Ten long years. And, but I mean, the running back position, like, that is a good deep position where there are a lot of young guys in free agency this year. So, I don't really have a point about that. I just care about care about the QBs more than anything but still like there's a lot and just go on the list I mean this also though the thing to remember that this is not unless I just gusted but outside of the QBs and I guess the running backs like overall on balance this is not a fantastic free agent class this year there are not a ton of marquee guys in this, I mean, besides, you know, once again, the QBs, which obviously outweighs it all, but there really aren't a ton of marquee guys in this free agent class. And a lot of positions are very barren, and there are very few, like, slam dunk, throw them a bunch of money on day one of free agency, and usually there really aren't a lot of those guys, because the guys who would be that guy, their teams are usually smart enough to retain them, but... The, the thing about this offseason is that a lot of teams have a lot of money. Even good teams have a lot of money. And there are a couple of reasons for that. I mean, one... Teams have been frugal. Teams have teams in the NFL have gotten smarter, which was something I talked about last offseason. That honestly impressed me. That teams over the last two seasons, teams have not been handing out as many stupid albatross, obviously, obviously not going to work out for you in the end type of contracts. I I feel like there's been less. I mean, last season you saw the trend of teams handing out one year deals to players who you know. Had, had not been good in a couple of years. Your Alshon Jeffries, your Don Terry Pose, these guys were getting one-year deals who I feel like in years past, teams were just throwing money at them and Ted said teams are smarter. So teams have been managing themselves better. I feel, I feel overall, I mean, these teams are still stupid, but on balance, I think teams have been managing themselves a little more intelligently the last couple of years. So that leads to teams having more cap space. The rookie contracts have been paying off for teams. That's been paying off in terms of creating cap. The the cap has been going up, which 
you know, will help teams have cap space. Very counterintuitive, I know, but the cap going up helps that. But, yeah, on balance, I mean, a lot of teams have a lot of cap space in a year where there aren't a ton of great free agents, which, you know, could lead to one of a couple of things. The one thing is, you know, a lot of these teams squander all this goodwill they bought, they've brought up with, they've, bleh, they've bought with me and go spend this money like drunken sailors and give, you know, the Josh Sittens of the world or the Tyler or the Adrian Claiborne's of the world a ton of effing money that obviously doesn't work out for them in the end. B, the teams just don't do anything, which, I mean, isn't the dumbest thing. It, I mean, not handing out a handing out no contract is better than handing out a bad contract. Or we see more of what we've been seeing this offseason, which has been... A, and we saw a lot last offseason, too, has been more and more trades. Seems like player for player or player for pick trades have kind of been coming back in vogue the last couple of years, last two years. Seems like while we went through a period where there were not really a lot of trades at all. Seems like after the trade deadline we had this year, which was very fun, which is the best trade deadline in the NFL in recent memory. Last offseason where we saw a lot of trades, especially here in New England. Seems like teams are more willing to trade now because teams are realizing that they're not going to get the great type of players that they want in the open market. That a lot of the time the players, that most players who are reaching the open market come with some kind of question marks. Come with some obvious... Obvious red flags or they're just not great players. And that if they want these good players, maybe they need to give something up. So that way they're not spending their cap space on nothing. Or not wasting their cap space. And you saw it. I mean, the two teams that made the most trades the last two years have been the Patriots and the Eagles. And the Eagles have a problem now if they don't have any cap space. But their problem with it is almost all their contracts are bargains because they've either... They've traded for a lot of these players. There's been a lot of guys that they've drafted, a lot of guys they bought low on, but they have no bad contracts. You look at the Eagles roster, and you're trying to figure out how they can make it to create the cap space, and the only way they can do that is by cutting good players, which is a credit to them, which is a credit to Jeff Howie, I think is his name, or the GM there, that they, they have so many good contracts that <laughs> any most of their contracts are bargains anybody they'd be cutting you're like oh well they're losing value there's not that one you know Dwayne Allen Martellus Bennett type contract just sitting there that you're like oh well cut that guy and then boom you're good like no cut that guy ah like Brent Selleck like he's making seven million but he was a pretty good pass rusher like that's good money for a rotational pass rusher like or we get rid of Torrey Smith like you know, a solid deep threat for $5 million? Ah, that yeah, that hurts to lose that. Like, So, nevertheless, the two teams that have made the most trades, Patriots, Eagles, are the two teams that, you know, played in the Super Bowl. So.
I think that that could be what we see is that teams now with cap space with not a lot of great players sitting out there to spend it on. Maybe they resort to more trades, which is very fun to me. I mean, I love a good trade. I think most fans love a good trading season, and I think that could be what we see. Seeing what we saw at the seeing what we saw with that, seeing what we saw at the trade deadline, yada yada, last offseason. Teams are obviously opening their doors more to trades when for a little while it kind of seemed like they were kind of closing the shop on that. Like teams were kind of trying to avoid making trades. So Hopefully that stays the course because that's fun. I like seeing players move that maybe I didn't expect to see move even when they're players I love and the Patriots don't even make an attempt at them. But nevertheless... I promised I would try to avoid talking about that in this segment. So I will attempt to hold true to my word. But the... Yeah, the league is changing. Teams have gotten a little, li little, wee, bit, little wee bit smarter. And there are QBs out there. So not the offseason I would have expected three years ago. So I'm excited. I'm excited about this one. And I hope it's fun. I can't wait to be back here next week. I mean, next week. In two weeks. And get and give some live updates on things. I'm just, I'm so excited to do that. You don't even know. I don't even have to really plan anything. I can just sit here and react to things as they come. Like, it's, it's going to be a good old time. But anyway, with that good old time inside, I think, think this good old time is going to come to an end. You've been listening to the Stadium Experience, Stadium Experience with your host, Jake Elmsley, on 90.7 WXIN. Or you've been watching on the official Mike Game Memorial live stream on the official Stadium Experience Facebook page. Tune in in two weeks, not next week, 4 to 6 p.m. Wednesday, March 14th. We'll be doing the whole free agency spiel, covering all that. I'll try to give, try to learn something about presentation and whatnot while I'm in New York. Hopefully, I have some fun stuff for you. But anyway, though, thank you to everybody who listened. Thank you to everybody who didn't have any guests today. Thank you to everybody who listened. It's been a fun episode. I will be back here next week. Not next week, in two weeks, once again, 4 to 6 p.m. So check out. So if you enjoyed the episode, you want to listen to some more, as well as some of my older episodes, because you missed me next week, don't be afraid to check out the official Stadium Experience SoundCloud page. Check out reruns of the live stream on the Facebook page, or go on iTunes, type in my name, download the episode, take it wherever you want to go. I, once again, this all goes up after the show, and we will be back in two weeks, March 14th, 4 to 6 p.m., right here for another episode of the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley, and I will see you all then.